darkened with fear. When Clarence looked up, the mute Mongolian made the universal gesture of pointing his finger like a pistol and dropping his thumb like a hammer, then tapped his temple and made a facial expression that spoke louder than words. "'You think those medical boys don't fucking know that?' I echoed. "'They're not worried about some malpractice claim. They're running an outlaw operation, and they get paid a fortune to take care of people from our world. That's what we're paying so much for, not just the care, the risk.' They're putting a lot more than their licenses on the line, understand? That's why you never threaten people like them. They've heard it all before. It won't make them work harder, but it might scare them into doing something stupid. But for what they are charging, even with all the money we took from that last thing, we were run out by... I know, I said soothingly. But don't worry about it, Clarence. We found a new way to keep earning. Nobody told me... You had no role to play in this one, son, I said, channeling the prof. Not up till now, anyway. Listen to me, sweetheart. Michelle spoke just above a whisper, her voice the same mystery blend as her perfume. Trust me, the word's out. The prof's in the consultant business now. Any serious thief playing for a retirement score would want the master to check over the plans, make sure there's no flaw. But they wouldn't expect a face-to-face. So the prof's got a front man for that. Get it? Yes, the islander said, looking over at me and nodding. But how is that going to bring in the kind of money we... It already is. I cut him off. Got more business than we can handle. We're even ready to have you start working back up, too, if you want. Clarence opened his mouth to say something, but Max just shook his head. Mama crossed the distance from her register at the front to my booth in the back, looked us all over, held Clarence with her eyes, said... Movie business very good. Those kind of people spend money like drunks. Clarence opened his mouth again, but this time it was Michelle who shut him up. We've got a doctor, too, baby, a script doctor, best in the business, the only one who gets his quote and a percentage of the gross. Let's you and me go over there and sit down, okay? Buy your baby sister a drink, and I'll explain it all to you. The apartment was spacious by New York standards. Three bedrooms, two baths and on a decent west side block, too. But this was no luxury co-op, no awning over the front door, no doorman, never mind a concierge, no central air. The elevator only went down, all the way down, from a uniformed operator to push-your-own-damn-buttons to permanent out-of-service. Even the super was part-time. His one qualification was that he'd done time, and his real job was handling complaints with a You don't want to go too far with this. Look. Thirty-six units, but only five of them still occupied. The building owner was warehousing the rest, playing stare-down with the remaining owners. No real estate broker had any of the empty units listed. Some of the holdouts had been stupid enough to try bribing the super. He introduced them to the sucker two-step. Step one, he takes your money. Step two comes when you run into him again. A blank look, like he's never seen you before. When it comes to bribery, citizens are out of their league. Even in this everything-for-sale pest hole of a city, you can't run to the cops when the guy you greased doesn't do what you paid him for. That would be like a loan shark suing you for missing a payment. We paid the super for access to the apartment, not a bribe, payment for a service. He didn't try his look on us. It's our kind he learned it from. He wasn't a genius, but he was smart enough not to confuse us with citizens. The cell phone in the right-hand pocket of my jacket vibrated. My clients were on their way up. Up the stairs. I nodded to Max. 
He opened the door just as they were about to push the disconnected buzzer. The doctor was in. There were three of them, nice business suits, nothing too flashy. I knew the head man by rep only. He may have looked like a pita pocket overstuffed with suet, but if crime was a dance, he had the moves of a tango star. The other two could have been his partners, or crew members, or undercover cops. The way we had it set up, it didn't make any difference. Any tape they walked away with would be about as useful as a Vietnam body count. My work table was a rough-hewn slab of wood with fold-up legs. I gestured for them to sit wherever they wanted. Canvas director's chairs were the only option. Nobody offered to shake hands. As I leaned back, Michelle swiveled over. All they saw was a blonde in a red latex derma-sheath skirt and a padded bra threatening a stretchy top, if they even looked high enough to see the blonde part. She held out a tray of plain glass ashtrays. The guy to